This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Glad to be back with you guys from high atop our complex, downtown West Palm Beach. Jimmy Scroggins here with my co-host Leslie Bennett, engineer Carly Seelman, and with us via Zoom, we have my friend Josh Patterson, lead pastor of the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas. Josh, welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you. It's really an honor to be with y'all. Appreciate and it. Great to see you. So, Leslie, we've learned a lot from the Village Church, so we've been out there and visited with them. Josh is a personal friend of mine, and you know we've talked to them a lot about multi-site, and we originally scheduled this podcast. We wanted to talk to Josh about what Village is thinking about multi-site, and I'm sure we'll touch on that, but mm-hmm. now the corona apocalypse has happened, and it seems like there's other things that are maybe a little more urgent to talk about. That's right, but we're super glad that, Josh, that you're still willing to join us and have this conversation because you know so many churches are in the same boat that we are thinking through all of these things, and we know the Village Church thinks deeply and has a lot of wisdom when they approach these that matter, so we still wanted to have the conversation with you and just learn together how we can lead through this yeah. time. Yeah, Josh, so how is Village Church doing during the pandemic? Probably like everybody, there are things that we're celebrating how God is sustaining. And then there are things we're lamenting. And so I think overall, I would say we're doing well. The church is engaged, as you would hope. And in in some ways, I feel like we're more engaged now, which is really encouraging. But then there's a thousand little losses along the way that we feel as well. How are we doing? We're doing well. We're hanging in there and we're managing. And in some ways, I think we're thriving. But like I said, it comes with some loss, the loss of my gathering, the loss of knowing that members of your body are suffering. And and then the losses of whether it's our graduating seniors who didn't quite get to finish the year like they would have hoped and on and on and on. So we're a mixed bag, but I think overall we're doing well. Yeah, Josh. So you, you mentioned that you said in some ways we're more connected or more engaged. In some ways we're thriving. Talk to us about that. Tell me some ways that you feel an elevated sense of connection, or maybe you've been surprised by the level of connection that you your church is experiencing. Yeah, well, I... One, I'm really grateful that we, we've had a longstanding and robust small group ministry. And that ministry has been one of those ministries that's really flourishing in this time. And I just got a report from our groups team this past week. And the stat that they gave me was 99% of our groups are meeting and have been meeting with increased participation through the pandemic, which, you know, I, I figured let's round that up to 100%. If right. we, <laughs> I would stick with 100, we yeah. Just, we not just say all of our groups are meeting. That's been the testimony that we're hearing is that our members are meeting together virtually as best they can. And that's been really exciting, really encouraging. That's been an easy thing to point to that we're really thankful for. There are some things that we thought were really going to take off and, and they really haven't taken off, at least not yet. But I would say our small group ministry right now and then our family resources have been really tremendous in this season as well. What kind of family resources? Yeah, you know, we're creating some on the fly. So some of those resources 
have been things that we have, we're creating even now. But there were some things that we had started. We started a kid's podcast and that kid's podcast called God's Big Story has been fantastic. It's gone into homes and parents and families have really enjoyed that. And then whether it's memory verse songs or forums that we're holding for our parents, virtual forums that we're holding for parents, parenting's in the midst of crisis and things like that. We're trying to stay ahead of it, but some of the things we had in the pocket as well. Well, Justin, if you've kind of done that, like what are the frequency with which you're having these forums? Are you doing that like once a week or once a month? Or you've done a couple of them. What are you talking about? The forums, these things are popping up. And I would say we're doing something every couple of weeks because one thing we're trying to manage, and I don't know how we can honestly manage it, is the screen fatigue mm. that is just present. In mid-March, when all of this took off, it was like, man, thank God for Zoom. And now I'm thinking, please, God, keep me off. You know, it's Which we're on right now. Right. And here we are. And yeah. here we are staring at a screen. Especially when our, if I think about our kids who got switched to an online format for school, and then their schooling all day was on a screen. Uh, some of your older kids who then had phones and they're on their screen all day, then to introduce another element of a some type of worship on a screen, which I think is something, if, if you had to choose between Candy Crush and worship, I would choose worship, but it is another screen. And so we've just been trying to think about that in terms of frequency of what we're putting out so that what we are putting out, we hope is really valuable for their time. You mentioned that there were some things that you thought would take off, but they haven't. We've experienced the same thing at Family Church. I'm curious about what some of those things might be. Well, and right back at you, I want to know what it, what it is. <laughs> well, we have a long uh, list. Yeah. Early on, and, and this was interesting, we put a lot of time into restructuring some things around benevolence and needs. We just anticipated that our body was going to be really crashed with a bunch of needs. We started a, a member call campaign, which has been fantastic. We're, we're calling every member and working our way through that list. And the elders started off calling all the senior citizens in the church, which was awesome. We learned a lot and, and really enjoyed those conversations. Senior citizens answer their phones. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and we were not insulted of, by the phone call. <laughs> no, no. They're eager to have the conversation. What we anticipated in terms of benevolence needs and our needs ministry. So on our website now, it's like there's a big banner, I need help. You know, it's like if you need help, click here. And we have had some who clicked, but really not a lot. Certainly not a lot as you compare it to what we anticipated. Mm -hmm. And some of what we think about that and, and how we're considering that is we're in a suburban context. Some of the needs are insulated and then some of the needs are covered up because what we do here in the suburbs is we pretend. And so there may be needs and it's really hard for us to say that we have some needs. And so we're trying to find inroads because we know marriages are struggling. We know parents are, are struggling. The financial needs haven't hit us as hard yet. Uh, but the longer we stay in this, the more we anticipate that to happen. And so that was surprising. We thought we thought we would see an increase earlier than we have, but we are preparing for what we anticipate becoming. Hey, one of the things that we we've had the exact same experience. So we ramped up hard, like, oh my gosh, we've got to 
really engage and meet needs, but then it's been, it's actually been harder to discover the kind of needs that we thought would be there. We also anticipated that our giving would drop off precipitously almost immediately. That did not happen. I think in the coming months, we we will feel that because if people have lost their jobs and taken pay cuts and so forth, but at least for the first three months, we really haven't felt that. But the other thing, Josh, that we struggle with is we worked really hard. Like how can we get people to engage at the end of our worship services. So text this number or go to this thing or fill out that. And we've had a very difficult time getting any kind of momentum with engagement as a follow-up to our services. I wonder if you guys have had better luck. And if so, boy, would we like to learn from you? We haven't. The three things that you just mentioned, our giving is up. It's actually up year over year, which is amazing. And we're thankful for that. Again, like you said, we don't know how long that'll last. But then our engagement in terms of Texas number type of engagement is down. So our connect cards, if you will, is way down compared to, you know, obviously a live service where somebody comes in and either walks into our connection central or fills out a card or something like that. We are seeing more people within the church who were not connected to a group want to get connected to a group now. So our our group connection is increasing, but our obviously our membership desires and, and kind of first time guest seems to be down even though our views on the YouTube, on the YouTube. On the YouTube. You sound like an old man. Yeah, I was going to say, you're you're young and hip, aren't you? On the old YouTube. (laughs) On the YouTube channel is way up. And so, yeah, we're just trying to balance it. Our giving, thankfully, is local giving. It hasn't been regional giving. And so that has been encouraging for us. Yeah, I feel like we're learning a lot, but it seems like we're in the same boat as y'all. Hey, is there anything that you've started doing where you guys have thought, hey, wow, this is something that is actually going to help us on the other side of the pandemic, if there is another side? We didn't live stream before this. We figured out how to live stream from Thursday to Sunday. You know, the world shut down on a Wednesday. In my opinion, when the NBA and the NCAA canceled everything, that's when it shut down. And so it's kind of like if you kept going after that, who do you think you are? Exactly. Exactly. So then we had to turn it around for that weekend and began live streaming. And we just kind of philosophically, we didn't love the idea of it. And now that we're in it, we're seeing the benefits of it. And I imagine that we'll continue doing that. It's funny how the Lord works when when he pushes a reality your way and you're forced to come to look at a new perspective of your own philosophy. And so that's what we found with the live stream. I anticipate that we'll do that. And then we another thing we realized is our live page, which we call TVC at Home, it really became our de facto website because our website now contains a ton of information that is somewhat irrelevant. Mm-hmm. When you visit the Village Church, yeah. this is what you, you wear expect. whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right, right. And so we have put the last couple of weeks a lot of energy into taking that live stream homepage and making that our de facto website. And so we've built up a lot around that, which has been really, really encouraging. So we're excited about that. So I'm curious, Josh, because we were visiting with you last fall because the Village Church made a decision to, for lack of a better term, let your campuses be more autonomous. You're in the midst of that process. You had had a couple of campuses become more autonomous and you were in the process of actually doing that with the rest of your campuses. So how has this worked with that process? Did it interrupt the process? Have you continued that? Did you have to, you know, when you live stream, are you just live streaming one thing? Is everybody live streaming their own thing? How are you doing that? Great questions. The answer is yes, it disrupted it, but not in a major way. What we did with the campuses is really gave them, we have two more campuses to transition off, Fort Worth and South Lake. 
And so when we had our big rally meeting, it was, hey, we're going to live stream and you're welcome to tap into that live stream. They have not joined into the live stream, okay. which I think was the right decision for where we're headed. But it was also, you know, I was proud of them for making that call. And hey, we're going to stand in this and keep moving forward on this. And so the question we have now about how big of a disruption is this? We're hiring a teaching pastor at one of the campuses. We had candidates who were set to fly in and that stopped. And so there was a disruption there that hopefully we're able to pick back up here in the next couple of weeks. And then just the disruption of momentum. As you're gearing up to transition a campus off, there's a lot of vision and a lot of visioneering that goes behind that. And you hope that you can be together for member meetings, to to preach and cast vision towards this, even for your conversations lead to momentum here. And so we've lost some of that, but the hope is to remain on schedule, which means that Fort Worth in all likelihood would transition off in January and then South Lake, Lord willing, by Easter and we're done. Hey, Josh, Texas has been very aggressive about reopening. Famously so. That means that there are large churches in Texas that are have been reopening over the last couple of weeks. I'm curious about what the Village Church is thinking about reopening. Yeah, Texas, I'm a Texan. I love our state and we're aggressive and, and I love the spirit of Texas. It's interesting as you can kind of watch the gates slowly start to open, man, people are running towards that and just pushing them wide. And I, I'm not even talking about churches there. I'm talking about people in neighborhoods and restaurants and gatherings and football practices and and the like. I mean, it's been interesting to watch. And and I've really felt that momentum here this past week. And you're right. There are churches that have already started meeting, large churches, and more large churches that will start meeting this weekend. But we won't be one of them. You've got to make the call yourself, church to church to church. and, And you can't make the call lightly. And I know that those brothers and sisters didn't make that call lightly. We just philosophically made the decision as we're approaching reentry or reopening, there was a couple of things that we wanted to keep in mind. One, we need to be prepared. Two, we need to be trained. And then three, we don't want to be early adopters. The preparation and the training, I trust all these other churches have been doing that. It's quite an undertaking. We've got at our campus in Flower Mound, you know, it's a relatively large church. And so for us to, to be moving people through there, it's a lot of work. It's a worthwhile work. It's a work that we're willing to do, but we do need to train up for that. But as we thought about reentry, we thought we can spend all of our energy thinking about how to do it, how to clean, how to turn the service over, how to train the volunteers, how to space it out properly, and just work through the laundry list of details that have to be covered. Or we can spend our time focusing on how do we minister in this COVID climate. And so our leadership team really set aside a group of people. We've got two lay people and two staff members, so a total of four on this team that really is a, like a task force, a reentry task force. None of those people are on our executive team. They're just consulting our executive team once a week so that our leadership team's energy is focused on ministry in this climate and moving the church forward in this climate and not using all of our meeting time talking about reentry, which has allowed us in terms of our mental energy, our mental focus, and our attention to be on how do we do kids' ministry well in this season? Because regardless of reentry, you're not doing kids ministry. So even when you do open up, you're not doing kids ministry, at least until schools meet. So how are we going to minister to kids in this season? How are we going to minister to families? 
How are we going to minister to our senior citizens? How are we going to keep our group thriving? How are we going to continue to resource our church? How are we going to minister to the community? How are we going to... And so those types of questions is where we want to spend our energy and our focus. And we don't want to spend it on reentry. So we've just set a date where we've just said, when we make the decision, it'll be four weeks out. And so we've not made the decision. So I know at this point, we're not meeting at least until the midsummer. And so I don't have to be thinking about that. We really have followed that approach the whole way through. Starting in mid-March, when we anticipated how this was going to go, we just cleared the schedule. We cleared the slate. We were able to cancel some things. We were able to close the offices for a time being so that we could all just know this is what we're doing so we can focus on what we're doing and not focus on all the unknowns which seem to change week after week after week after week. Hopefully that answers it. Yeah, I think that was very helpful just to summarize. So it seems to me, one, you don't want to be an early adopter. You're going to learn from other people who figure this out kind of for you. We echo that at Family Church. You want to focus on the ministry that is at hand. You're making a a decision that whenever you choose to reopen, you're going to make that call at least four weeks before you actually reopen so everyone can sort of relax without feeling like, hey, next week you're going to show up and go, all right, guys, this Sunday's the day. Yeah. So we echo all of that too at Family Church. We're thinking we want to learn from the schools. So my hope is probably not to reopen on any large scale on Sunday mornings until schools are in. So yeah. if they choose not to have school this fall, I doubt we're going to reopen on Sundays. The other thing, I don't know if you feel this, but even though you have a large church and family church is a large church, it is taking everything we've got to manage the group ministry the way it is virtually and to produce the kind of weekend content that we weren't used to producing before and right. to do kids ministry. And it almost feels impossible to maintain that level of production and content creation if we were going to simultaneously be trying to keep that going while we reopen on Sundays. I don't even think we have the the bandwidth for that. Maybe you guys do, but that's a big consideration for us too. So if we're kind of thinking, well, whenever you reopen, only a third of your church is going to show up and the other 70%, you got to keep this other content going. We're sitting here like, I don't think we can do both well. Do you ever have that thought? Oh, for sure. We've talked about you know, we have to have a plan. We've got to have people and we've got to have provision. Provision meaning we've got, we've got to have all these cleaning supplies. We've got to have a team that's going to come through to clean and turn a service over. And again, the list of items. And then how many services do we want to have to accommodate whatever percentage we're going to try and hit? Was it three services? Is it six services? And if we're doing four or five services on the weekend, that's a significant amount of energy that then goes to that. And to your point, Jimmy, that isn't going to this over here. When we're thinking about what we can offer on the weekend right now, we're just inclined to continue doing what we're doing for our group ministry, for our families. And and like I said, so yes, the answer, yes, we feel that. The other issue is you've got kind of like your legal guidelines and CDC guidelines, which you're kind of expected to follow or required to follow, but then you've got what society expects of you. So even if legally they say, oh yeah, we're not going to require you to wear masks in church, but maybe the society as this kind of thing unfolds, maybe everybody is going to wear masks. I don't know. And so we kind of want to let some of this unfold before we have to start enforce. I don't want to have to be in an enforcement posture measuring tapes. Hey, you're four feet away. You got to get six feet away. It just seems like it will ruin the fun of gathering. That's actually, we've thought about the risk than the experience. And so If we're showing up, everybody's masked up, we're doing temperature checks, we've got line cues, we've got social distancing, you're trying to, everyone's nervous, you're policing, you know, scoot over, spread out, you know, you got kids who- Put that mask on. Yeah, they don't understand it. They don't understand it to the degree that if they see a friend or they see somebody 
that they're used to running up to. And you just don't want that climate where the church is a refuge and the church is a place of celebration. And in some, to some degree, what this is communicating is COVID. <laughs> right, right, right. COVID rules. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're concerned about all the same things. This has been a really yeah. helpful conversation, Josh. A lot of our listeners are in uh, smaller and medium-sized churches, so a lot of them don't have production teams and all this kind of stuff. What would you say to a pastor of a with a smaller team, or maybe even a pastor, he's the only employee at his church, what would you say to just encourage him as he thinks through how to minister during the pandemic and then maybe how to even think about what comes next? I think what pastors of smaller congregations have is something that, that we are learning right now is how vital high touch ministry is yeah really what we've gone back to in this season as we're calling every member and getting on the phone and having conversations is something that is the privilege of some smaller churches and you know i had a conversation with a church member yesterday she's been a member of the church for seven years i don't know her she knows our staff and she said you know i grew up in a smaller church where i was I knew my pastor really well. I had him over for lunch and dinner and you know, so on and so forth. She said, I realize that's that's not entirely likely at a church our size. And she's right. That's one of the losses that we feel is that you can't reach everybody. And this is the same for you guys, Jimmy. And, but I think churches in this season, especially smaller churches, this is your privilege that you know your flock, you know your people. And so this is a great opportunity to continue doing what is probably a benefit of your church ministry for a long, long time, which is just high-touch pastoral ministry. It's a ministry of virtual presence, and it's a phone call. It's maybe a social distance walk. And man, that goes a long way. That goes a really, really long way. Boy, it sure does. And I just feel like maybe God is redirecting some of us in larger churches who may have gotten a little disconnected from the incarnational aspects of our ministry. I know we declare that it's incarnational because we're in the same room with thousands of people once a week. But, you know, I think that COVID has certainly called my attention to more like the personal nature of prayer requests. And like you said, phone calls, letting people in your congregation actually hear your actual voice in a one-on-one kind of a way. And that is something that's hard to do when we're in the normal press of just trying to you got to keep feeding the beast. You got to keep coming back for another weekend and another weekend and another weekend. And I do share that thought. Leslie, any parting comments from you? I mean, I just really appreciate, again, Josh, the way that you're thinking about this and some of the things that you said that really impacted me was directing your energy still toward your people. So I really like that, Jimmy, the idea that you're focusing on the people and how you can continue to connect with them and kind of putting the reopening over here, let somebody else think about that. And there's a lot of clarity to that. I think that you can focus your energy. So that was very instructive to me. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I agree. Josh, thanks so much for being willing to share and being generous with your time and your knowledge and just your concern. And I know I speak for all the church, for the rest of us listeners, and just being grateful for the way that Village Church shares resources and puts it out there. And I would encourage everybody to go to their website. They have some incredible things that they will share with you for kids, note-taking pages, and all kinds of resources that they will allow you to adapt at your own church. Boy, what a gift Village Church is to the Christian community. Josh, thanks so much for being on. This is Jimmy Scroggins, Leslie Bennett, Carly Sealman, Josh Patterson. You've been listening to church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing 
because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.